You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast where we wrap up the Redskins 32-27 loss to the Eagles. I spent a few minutes with receiver Terry McLaurin and safety Monte Nicholson after the game for some of their thoughts. Then Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch joined me and then it's my time for some observations of the game. But first, here's what Terry McLaurin and Monte Nicholson had to say. I'm going to start with McLaurin who had a terrific game with 5 catches, 425 yards. McLaurin has the speed they craved at receiver, and the design did a good job of getting him free down the middle. By the way, nobody should wonder anymore why they cut Josh Doxson, who, incidentally, never had any games here with more than 100 yards receiving. Now, here's Terry McLaurin. start off with a positive few that mm-hmm. touched down. What was that like for you? What, just describe the play. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work. Um, you know, I'm blessed to play this game at the highest level. Um, you know, guys really bless me. And um, just to be in a situation where a team, you know, believes in me like the Redskins do. And, you know, they, 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 they've told me a lot of times that, um, you know, they're going to lean on me a lot this season. They want me to come in and make big plays. But it's not too much pressure, and I don't feel like the moment's too big for me. And uh, teammates and my coaches do a good, really good job of um, – Give me confidence, and uh, on that play, Coach O'Connell came over before the prior series and was like, we're coming to take a shot. Okay. And uh, we knew the DBs were sitting, and um, you know you got to make them pay when they're sitting, and you have fast receivers. So Case did a great job of throwing me open. Um, you know, I, I got a good release, um, and he threw me to the open field, and I just wanted to use my speed to finish the play. It looked like, because you said they're sitting, because you guys mm-hmm. were sending two crossers, and it looked mm-hmm. like they're coming up hard on those crossers. Is that mm-hmm. what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, they play off. Mm-hmm. Uh, one high coverage, and they started mixing up when we kind of started to get behind them a little bit. Um, but at the same time, um, they were, you know, basically trying to sit and, and, and dare us to throw by, and, and run by them, and we were able to do that a couple of times. Um, but it's just a tail of two halves. And it was like that second one was kind of the tail, or mm-hmm. the second one you get open, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's an overthrow, and that's you know yeah. simple as that. And that happens sometimes. Um, you know, football is a game of inches, and. Uh, um, you know, but not only do I have confidence in myself, I have confidence in Case. Um, he makes this game really easy for me, and uh, I know we're going to get back to the drawing board starting tomorrow and, and, and try to hit all our shots. So what, what do you take away from this one? Because there were you know, some young guys like yourself go out there and make plays, and you have, you know, this first half was almost flawless, yeah. and then the second half was the way it did. What do you take away from this one? Um, I guess you take away that, you know, we started off fast, offense, defense, special teams. We uh, connected a lot. We converted. Um, but that's why you play 60 minutes of football. Credit to the Eagles. They uh, they executed the second half and they and they basically won the possession game as well. Um, so us going forward, we just have to execute, limit the third and longs and the penalties. And I feel like uh, we could be better. Right, thanks, Terry. No problem. Okay, now let's turn to safety Monte Nicholson. I asked him about some of the big plays allowed by the defense and why they happened. 
And yeah, there was more of that miscommunication. Why does that happen? And, and he had some good answers for it, and I think you'll see. Um, I also think this is something that absolutely needs to get cleaned up. It was a problem in the past, and it's one that needs to get resolved soon. I will say good offenses know how to put stress on coverages with last-minute shifts or formations. The problem that I have with the second Deshaun Jackson touchdown, there weren't any last-minute shifts. Someone just blew a coverage, and that's what's unacceptable. Anyway, here's Nicholson. Two halves, first half, you guys come out looking great. Second half, they hit you guys a few times. What, what do you feel changed there? Um, I guess just kind of just maybe fatigue, so to speak, and just lack of communication, really. Um, you know, I've been saying communication is big, but it's to, to our, uh, I guess, to our defense. Um, this is our first game that we've all played to its mm-hmm. entirety together. You know what I mean? So it's easy to play a preseason the first half, or the first quarter. Um, <coughs> Uh, it's, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, coming uh, out second half um, and just making sure everybody's still on the same page and, and mentally and physically, you know, uh, uh, like I said, it's not it's not anything that can't be fixed. When you talk about the miscommunication, just some of those deep balls, it's just guys rotating or, or what, what, not, not dropping to where they're supposed to be, is that, you know, not being on the same page with the assignment or, or is that what you mean? Or? Uh, yeah, all of that, you know, from not getting the call around, from, you know, just busting coverage, you know, just whatever you can think of. Um, but it's just, like I said, it's not anything that can't be fixed, not anything that won't be fixed. Um, it'll, uh, it'll all be put back together. What do you take from that first half? Um, that's that's just a picture of what we can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know it. And um, yeah, it's, it's great and everything, but it doesn't really matter because the way the game ended and how the second half looked. You know what I mean? We got, like I said, we got a glimpse, but we're not really satisfied with just that glimpse. We want to uh, make that the entire scene. And those Deshaun touchdowns, and you get a guy, with, you, know, you, you guys obviously know his speed and what he can do, and you get that for even that first one, that second one, those are how much of a backbreaker are those because you guys, are, especially that first one, you're in position to kind of shut him down and then he hits you like that. How much of a backbreaker is that? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Um, it may seem like that because of how the rest of the game went. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, we just got to uh, um, just make sure we rally around each other and uh, make sure we finish the game. That's just basically what it comes down to, just staying together and keeping that game endurance up. Um, this is not like practice, it's not like the preseason. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're good in that aspect. <clears throat> and um, we, we got we got 15 regular ones left, you know, um, playing for that, that 17. So we just got to make the rest of them count. Last one, with the communication, what do you guys go back to? How do you go back and correct that now? What's the next step for that? Um, when I guess when teams just get to going fast and tempo like that, we got to make sure uh, it's quick. Instead of, um, you know, just kind of, okay, it's this. Okay, no, it's this. Like, well, it's just, you know, make it simple for ourselves and um, just so we can get out there. Cases out there. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We'll discuss the Adrian Peterson situation and a lot more from this game. Welcome back. Now here's Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch and myself talking about the game. 
problem is with this first game, I'm starting with something with somebody that didn't even play the game. Adrian Peterson, first of all, were you surprised by that decision? I think it had clearly been foreshadowed all week. Still, you just he's a Hall of Famer. He's on the team. He got the contract. that You would have expected him to not be on the team if he wasn't going to play on Sundays. But Jay Gruden's post-game comments, I thought, made it very clear he doesn't see a role for Adrian Peterson on this year's team. Which is shocking because the quote he had, I think, is, Yes, if we want to run the ball 55 times, line up in I formation, then I will get him in the game. That's a guy who's basically saying it's going to be this way for the whole, the rest of the way, unless something I'm happens. I'm going to with play Hendricks. different style. Right. I'm going to play a different style of football, one that does not involve power running and wearing the opponents down. And you know, maybe if Geis gets hurt, it's nice to have him ready to be called up from inactives. But he's not a guy with a role in this offense that they're wanting to play. And tip your hat to Jay. The offense, for the most part, the plays were well-designed. They should have had a lot more than they had. Absolutely. Uh, it was a good style of football for what they needed to do. It is. It's funny, though, because it's still it's hard to fathom that Adrian Peterson is inactive. Um, even if you think so, in some ways there's, I don't want to say makes sense, but the reasoning for him was special teams and wanting to you know defend Darren Sproles in the punt return game, et cetera, et cetera. And I understand where Jay is coming from in, in a vacuum. In a vacuum, right. if, if you want to make that decision, like we're not going to use Adrian Peterson, so this guy might be able to help me out on a punt unit or something. But, but in real life here, that was a distraction you didn't need to create on game day of week one. Well, the, a lot of the talk in the, in the locker room after the game was about Peterson. You just didn't need to. It wasn't necessary. Find me the 46th guy, the guy who made the cut instead of Adrian Peterson. I bet you could have done just as well today without him. And, and, and I, think, I think, especially defensively. I mean, but let's, so now let's turn to the game because I don't want to keep talking about a decision and a guy that did not play in this game because I, I can talk about that in a little bit when I give you some of my wrap-up. But um, what the hell happened? It was 17-0, 20-7. And if you had told me before the game, Redskins put up all these points, only lose by five, I would have thought everybody probably leaves here with their head held high, you know, Feel, yeah. feels all right about that. Nobody left here with their head held Nor high. should they. Nor should they have. Offensively, so much more of the same. The holding penalties, six penalties by the offensive line the second half. Drives never got a chance to start. Defensively, what was the thing we talked about all during training camp? Oh, we're going to be better at communicating this I year. Know. We're not going to have miscommunications. Two miscommunications, two Deshaun Jackson touchdowns. Holy cow. I, I know, and the, I think, you know, that's funny because, like, what we saw with Deshaun, with Deshaun in Washington, how he can change the game with one play. And I kind of thought that first touchdown may have been the big play because they had stopped him to that point. It gave the Eagles life, and I think there was only one drive after that where they didn't score. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just how it goes with that guy. And But on, on the other side, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. He's going to be a similar player. And you, you point out, like, I guess there's no way to say this other than bluntly. The Eagles players are better than the Redskins right. players. And, and you saw that when Case Keenum couldn't hit Terry McLaurin for that long pass, and twice the Eagles converted. You know, that's two long passes for touchdowns against one. It was a one-touchdown game in the end. Well, and also you watch Carson Wentz, the, his oh ability boy. to, as the game went on, and this team was getting, I, I'm sure there's a fatigue thing that sets in for that front. You're only rushing four guys most of the time. But if you're having to prolong, you're, you're rushing a lot, and now you're chasing the guy when he's rolling out, 
he was able to capitalize on that big time. You pointed this out in the press box. The best thing the Eagles did in the second half, got the Redskins into that nickel coverage. Yeah. Just They didn't have the, the guys down on the defensive line to rush to put pressure on. But I don't want to take away from Wentz because, holy cow, he, he's, he was terrific. he's fun to watch. He is, and I think we saw that it's funny because he, doesn't want to, he wants to be more effective from the pocket, but his game is about improvising. And not just, but again, he's, he's, he's getting outside the pocket to make plays. And he hurt the Redskins with those big plays in those situations. I am surprised with um, the run game too. Were you? Yeah, it, it, the, the Redskins, 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 Redskins inability to start the run you. game. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much of that stems back to the offensive line. Obviously, we've got a lot to, to break down coming out of this. But uh, you know, the fact that Darius guys couldn't get going. I thought he was going to be a lot more effective catching passes rolling out of the backfield than he was. I think it was three catches, three yards was the final tally on that. Um, Clearly, this is not this is not going to be a rushing identity team, as evidenced by Adrian Peterson comments, as evidenced by the things they're doing. But you're, you're still going to need a little bit more in that, particularly when that defense needed a blow in the third quarter and you couldn't give it to them. They couldn't give it to them, but the defense didn't help itself either. No. And I think that's the problem that I had with the defense is that that's supposed to be the bedrock of this team. And they I felt like they failed in the end because if you look at this, you say, all right, that last touchdown – it was, you know, they, I don't want to say they gave it to them, but it was a two-minute drive. <laughs> of course. They're playing, you know, just off and all that. But even still, like, if you, you know, you get 27 points, let's say they get 20, or you know, because that's really what we're looking at here. That, with the way they want to play this game, that could be enough in other games if the yeah. defense plays better. This team should be able to win 20-17 to 17 yeah. or 20-14. to 14. They're going to have to, I think. Well, they're definitely going to have to. It, their lack of uh, creating a takeaway, I think, I think was big. And that's yeah. such a thing where, like, that'll come week to week. You might have a week where you get four. You might have a week where you get zero. Today was the day where you got zero, though, and, and even just one of them tilts the field and, and maybe even changes the whole game. Case Keenum, what did you think? You know, I thought the stats are probably a little misleading. The stats were good. The stats were great, yeah. I thought Case was fine. Um, he was very good early. I thought as the game went on, he lost his accuracy on that last drive. I'm thinking of a sequence. He had third and fourth down passes to McLaren. Right. McLaurin. Um, I keep mis mispronouncing his name. Um, he was off on both of them. McLaurin came back and got the fourth down pass. Right. Um, but I thought both of those showed just he's a little bit off. Um, I don't know if that's something that will evolve or if that's just who he is. Uh, you can probably build a team around that and be fine, but that's a team that's going to need to have some other really good parts. Yeah, and I don't think you want to sit there and rely on Case Keenum's arm to win you the game because I think that's is putting him in a spot that he really isn't capable of succeeding in, I don't think. So you, that's why I think I go back to that run game and the importance of that. If you don't get that going, then, you know, Jay Gruden would say, and he told us this, you know, he'd like, you know winning 17-13 would be great for him. And he has said he wants to be a team that can run the ball very effectively, and they just haven't done it. And that's, I think, like if you don't get that fixed, there could be some problems. I'm curious what you think. I'll go back to our original point here. I don't think if Adrian Peterson is active today and gets those carries, things turn out any different. Oh, I don't think they're any different yeah. either. And I think there was, you know, there are some other issues that there were going on there. But yeah. no, I don't think that. I don't think if Adrian Peterson plays that this game is is really any different because we saw this a lot last year too when he was playing, and then we also saw games where he did very very well. Um, but I don't know that it would have changed a whole lot. And that, 
isn't a reflection of Geis or anything like that. It's just it didn't. There wasn't a whole lot there. No, and on, on the offensive line, Penn has two penalties. Flowers has two penalties. Okay, you can probably take that because they didn't allow any major sacks. I would say, um, but Moses having the two penalties and then some Agreed. comments after the game of, Agreed. I guess the refs are out to get me. Uh, that that's not going to sit well. No, it's not going to sit well. But he had, he has bad way to start the year. It is a bad way to start the year, especially for a guy who was heavily penalized last year. He's got to be better, and and I think that's that's a much so. Going forward, what do they? What do you take from this moving forward for this team? It's a fixable problem, but I don't know if they'll they'll fix it or be able to. You you clean up that defensive communication. It does still have the potential to be a very good unit. I just fear that you think about last season. They're starting at about week five of last season as opposed to week one. Right. We're not even getting those few great weeks. They could beat the Cowboys. Look, I get the Cowboys are a good team. But they can beat the Cowboys at home. The play calling was very good today yeah. offensively, I thought. There I were a lot of well-designed plays. It was a well-called game by Gruden, O'Connell, whoever else was involved in that. Uh, the defense has got to clean up, and they got to do it quickly. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. Hey, appreciate you joining joining me. we got 15 more of these to go. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, we probably shouldn't laugh because you don't know, but it is like you see a game like this as like you go from holy hell to holy crap. Yeah. In a hurry. More than 15 potentially, though, they clean it up. So there, there you go. go. There you go. We'll end on that one, folks. After this break, I'll be back with my observations. And where does the Peterson situation go from here? Okay, now it's time for my observations. I know Michael and I talked about Peterson being inactive, but I want to take you inside the locker room for the reactions and how it was handled and what might be the fallout. I do think players were upset about this decision. To what degree? That's hard to say. I know some guys, it's the respect they have for Peterson, what he's meant to the game and to their locker room. I think you saw that before the game when you NBC Sports Washington showed a little video clip of him kind of in the middle of the running backs group, leading them for whatever, you know, whether it's cheers or just pumping them up, whatever. Um, they notice that stuff. And he's a humble guy who works hard and produced for them last year. He's been a big help to the running back, so it's natural that they'd have some sort of feelings for a decision like this. As Morgan Moses said, Peterson has a lot of juice left. I don't know about a lot, but he can still help. And I knew, but listen, I knew there was a chance of this happening once they signed Wendell Smallwood, or claimed him, I should say. The Redskins just don't keep four running backs active and have an under Gruden, and Smallwood plays special teams. It's the exact same situation they had with Samaje Pirine last year. I'm not comparing Peterson to Pirine. I'm just saying that that's why I felt like early in the week that this was a ch- there was a chance of this happening because it's what they've done in the past when you have a guy who's a third running back. It's not about the name Peterson. It's about the role. He is a third running back, and that's what Pirine was last year. That's why you could see this happening this way. Whether or not you agree with it, I'm just telling you why I felt like there was a chance of this happening. And Chris Thompson said it too, that it would be hard to get all three running backs touches, especially the way that game unfolded. But he also said that they know the fear that Peterson still puts in defenses when he's out there on the field. So, you know, it'll be interesting to watch. Now, that's my first observation. Number two, Peterson handled this well. Contrast that with how Antonio Brown handled his situation in Oakland. 
Um, it's far different. Peterson spoke to the media after the game, a rarity for someone who was inactive. He was very calm. He was honest, but he didn't rip anybody. He didn't rip the decision. He said, of course he wants to. This isn't a role he wants. Of course he wants to be on the field. Who wouldn't want to be? It's why he's still playing after 13 years or why you know, he keeps himself in a certain shape, etc. And it spoke to his professionalism. Um, where does it go from here? I don't know. I was told after the game that not even Peterson knew what direction or what his next step would be, whether to hang in there, ask for a release, ask for a trade. Those are his options. Now, I talked to a few agents who rep other players who said they knew exactly what they would do. They would ask for his reliefs. And that is definitely something that could happen here and perhaps soon. It will take some talking, I think, with Jay Gruden from Peterson or from his, his reps or whomever to determine the best course of action. Get a feel for what Gruden sees as his role going forward. Um, and if that's going to be um, if that's going to be the case, then I think you could see that there's a natural conclusion to this situation. The guy doesn't want to waste his remaining career being inactive, especially for you know. Well, you just I don't care for any team. For any team, you wouldn't want to be inactive. The guy wants to go out there and play, um, and you can't blame him. And so, whether or not you like the decision, this is where it's at. Um, number three, that was a ballsy decision by Jay Gruden, and it'll be interesting to see how the guys process this moving forward. Players haven't quit on Gruden in the past, and I wouldn't think they do so now, but I do think it's something that has their antenna up, and it's clear they didn't like seeing Peterson inactive. I don't think Gruden helped himself by pouring some gasoline on the fire with his comments about running the ball 55 times out of eye formation, and that's how they could get him in the game. Um, it sounded like a coach who didn't want a distraction like this. I know there were some reports out there that he wanted him cut and that the front office said no. I was also told the opposite, that that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, I don't know what really happened there. I just know that, you you know, I heard one thing and I was told another thing by somebody else involved. So we'll see. But, um, you know, this is, and regardless, it's not a move the front office would have endorsed, I don't think. So, um, but, you know, you can also see that a guy like Gruden wouldn't want these kind of conversations. I think that's what led to the comment that he made that, you know, this you just want to talk about football, not about who was inactive for half your press conference or at least a couple questions. But I do think he has to be careful here. Peterson is a respected member of this team. Players hear and see what is said. Um you know, and I also thought it was interesting during the welcome home luncheon, for example, a story that Peterson told after accepting his award as the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, he talked about how when he came here to work out, he felt like he had a really good workout. And I had heard from other people in the organization at the time how, how good he looked um, during the workout compared to other, other players. And that maybe some people in the organization wanted to go in a different direction instead of with him. Um, he went up to Jay Gruden's office afterwards, and he said that Gruden kept telling, in, in this story, Peterson said that Gruden kept telling him, yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll give you a call if it's something, if we still need something, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they signed him later that day. And well, the reason I'm even recounting this story is because when Peterson was talking about it, you kept waiting for him to say something along the lines of, but then Gruden said, I was just kidding. We're going to sign you today because they did sign him that day. But there was never really any conclusion to that story. It was almost like it was brought up because he felt like maybe Gruden didn't clearly believe in him from the start. I don't know. Or he's just saying it to say that, yeah, even some people here, and then I went out and proved this, and this is why this award meant something to me. I don't know, because the conclusion of that story never really finalized that, but I just thought it was interesting, so I wanted to relay that to you. All right, on to number three. 
As Michael and I talked earlier, the issue with the run game wasn't the fact that Peterson didn't play. I know there are some who, let me go, I'm going to back up for a second here. I will also say with these decisions and with Gruden, this is what a head coach has to do is make these kind of decisions. And you don't make them based on whether or not you think players will be happy or not. You based on what you think, what you think is the best move for your team. And if Peterson, you don't think Peterson's going to get the ball in the game and impact the game from scrimmage, then you need a guy who can maybe help you on special teams, um, whether it's Smallwood or another linebacker, whomever. Um, I think that's how you have to run your team. Whether or not it works out, this is, the, this is why you're paid $5 million a year to make these kind of decisions. And it's his, and it's his job that's on the line. Not, any, you know, not anybody else is here. So I think you have to keep some of that stuff in mind. I'm not excusing. I'm not saying this is the greatest move. But I am saying that this is, you know, you don't make a decision just based on how these guys are going to go. I do think you need to treat guys. I think you know, there's some things with a guy like Peterson that you know how that's going to come across if he's inactive and what the storyline is going to be. So you have to be really careful there. And I do think that if you think it's going to go this way and it's going to become an issue, I think you almost have to say, you know what, let's rip that Band-Aid off and let's part ways. And, you know, whether or not that would go over well in the locker room, I, I don't think it would. But again, you have to make those decisions as a coach. And I think that's, you know, something that will be interesting to watch. But I think if it's going to be like this and you don't want these distractions, then rip that Band-Aid off and move on. But um, we'll see what happens. Anyway, about the run game. I know there were some who grumble about the run game design outside the organization by Bill Callahan. I would also say a lot of the issues stem from the Eagles stacking the line a decent amount. It looked like that's on first glance. It also came because some of the backside blocking wasn't that great. When they run to the left, for example, the guys who made the plays were coming from the backside. That includes that right side which of Sheriff and Moses, which has to be better. Again, I don't know how they were overall for the game. I've got to go back and watch it, but that was my initial thought. I was disappointed that pairing a couple times, especially on some stunts and that, you know, where Moses got allowed some pressure. Moses had a couple penalties. That has to stop. He has too many of them. I know Donald Penn and Eric Flowers both had a couple penalties. I think given the expectations for them, they were probably they probably did what you thought they would, maybe even a little bit better at times. So you know, I also think in the run game, Geis is going to need some time to continue shaking off that rust. And that goes back to Peterson. Maybe he could have helped taken some of that load off, but they didn't lose because Peterson didn't run the ball. With the receivers being better run blockers, heck, Trey Quinn was blocking down in the ends occasionally and with some success, I thought he'd get free for a few chunk gains. But in talking to Geis after the Atlanta preseason game, it was clear that he knew he needed more work. He was still getting used to making the right cuts, the right reads, and getting that feel back. And that's what he needs to make those explosive cuts. It's not about a healthy knee. It's about trusting it, but then also getting your rhythm back. And that, you know, you figured that was going to take a little bit of time. But again, that's why people thought that maybe you use AP early in the year, especially to help not so much ease him back in physically, but, but just before allow him to get a rhythm. But you're not going to get a rhythm unless you're out there carrying the ball. So we'll see about that, his, his success going forward. Number four, one thing I liked, the play design to get the receivers open. The Redskins scored 27 points, and yes, that includes seven when the Eagles essentially allowed them to drive down the field with underneath passes. But those designs were effective when combined with good protection, and they did get some good protection. Sometimes they slowed the ends with play action, with the jet action as well. Um, with some other motion, and that was with some success. I thought there were sometimes I thought the Eagles would challenge them more on the left side with some stunts. They did not, um, and I thought there were sometimes early in the game where they'd have Cox slant rush by slanting to the center. 
that allowed Flowers to then help Donald Penn outside, and that helped as well. So, um, you know, that was that was good. That protection allowed Case Keenum to have some success in the first half. I think the Redskins did a good job all summer of creating openings in the middle of the field for their passing game. Um, lots of crossers divide, designed to widen the linebackers or to divert the safety's attention, and you saw that against the Eagles. They work, and they'll continue to work, and that's why they're okay with going with the young receivers, especially you look at McLaurin. We talked to him earlier, um, but that's what this guy was here for, and you know he may end up to be a better receiver here than he was in college. Um, that's a credit to the offensive staff, whether it's Jay Gruden or Kevin O'Connell's design. Um, regardless, I've seen it all summer starting in training camp. Guys get open in this offense, and I think that will continue. Um, lastly, number five, the defense needs to be cleaned up. I'm not blaming anything at all on Jonathan Allen not playing for most of the final three quarters with a sprained knee. The depth of the D-line is a strength, so no, that's not the reason. It didn't help, but you can't sit there and talk about your D-line depth and then point to one guy in part of that depth and say, well, that's the reason. I don't. They, you can't do that, and I don't think they will. Um, as Monte Nicholson talked the communication is the key. They brought in Ray Horton to coach the secondary to help the back end and to help marry the back with the front with um, coordinator Greg Minuski. It wasn't just communication. Quentin Dunbar, for one, needs to be better. I think they all do. I don't think the safeties were really the big problem here at all. I liked you know, how Landon Collins especially played in the run game. But the pass rush wasn't any help. And you're gonna, if you're going to run rush with only four, they've got to get home. Um, that allows you to to play better on the back end. I don't think the great defenses aren't about blitzing. It's about playing very sound, and and they didn't do that. There were, again, the miscommunications or just it wasn't always miscommunication because some of that comes off of, as we talked earlier, about the motion, but the one touchdown to Deshaun Jackson, there was no motion, so it wasn't about that. It's about playing your doing your job. If 10 guys do your job and one doesn't, that isn't on the coaches, folks. That's on the player. So it's easy to blame Greg Minuski, and you can pick at him all you want. There's a track record there. I get it. Have at it. You know, until you have that success, everybody's fair game for criticism here. But I think the defense is so much more than ju- more simplistic than on offense as far as be sound, play your job, make the play in your area. You do that, you can be a good defense, and that's on the players too. So let's. Not, I'm not going to get carried away just saying Minuski sucks and do all that. Because I don't think it's that simple. I think you have guys that have to do their job. And I thought the Eagles also did a good job spreading them and, and running them up the middle at times in their nickel. So anyways, the Redskins didn't do their job in the final two and a half quarters. And that was the difference. And that must change. Anyway, that's all I have from Philadelphia. Thank you to Terry McLaurin and Monte Nicholson for talking to me after the game. Thank you to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch for joining me as well. And as always, thank you for listening.